We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I don't know about everyone listening, but after a long day of work, I just need to come home to a nice, refreshing tall boy to ease my stress. I actually just had three or four last night, if I'm being honest. No, not those tall boys. A refreshing tall can of liquid death was exactly what I needed. If you've noticed a new tall boy can in the water section that looks like a beer or an energy drink, it's actually liquid death, a mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, or in three different flavors. Try the lime, trust me. Why is the water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. There's just something special about grabbing an ice-cold can of liquid death, hearing the pop when you open it, and quenching your thirst with the best-tasting still or sparkling water on the market. I honestly could not go back to bottles even if I wanted to. As I mentioned, I can't recommend the Sparkling Lime Liquid Death enough. It has the perfect lime flavor to go with a crisp, refreshing finish. It's also the best water to mess with just about everyone you know, as they probably think you're chugging a beer in your car or a work meeting at about 9 a.m., Seriously, guys, check this product out. I've been absolutely loving it, and I know you will too. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This. is 
Podcast. Welcome to the post-London game, Pack-A-Day Podcast. Um, that game, usually we do the game recap, or uh, the pre-game show. We're doing a game recap today. Uh, I'm your host, Jimmy Christensen. Nick and Gage aren't here today, so I'm joined by Todd. And I don't think I've ever been less happy to see you, Todd. I am typically uh, the rose-colored glasses. Every you know, keep people calm. The world's not collapsing. This team's fine. Type of guy. I text you and told you, let's just hurry up and get this done and over <laughs> with. I'm tired of talking. Like I, I don't want to be in this anymore. I don't. I've, I'm going to go do anything I can after this. <laughs> to forget that this game happened. That was disgusting. Absolutely gross on all levels after what the first quarter. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I guess my, my question to you, I was legitimately concerned. I was sitting there watching the game and especially in the fourth quarter, I thought Todd's drinking again. There's no, like <laughs> this game's going to drive Todd to drink again. It crossed my mind. It, it really <laughs> did. I was like, how can I forget? that this happened, I could black out. Um, I'm not, I didn't, uh, we're, we're rocking a a water here. So we're good still. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get outside and go for a a nice long walk. I think after this. (laughs) All right. So the start of the game, like it started, it started normally like Packers aren't the hottest starting team, but at the end of the half, it was 20 to three or no, no 20 to 10. I, yeah, I, it started exactly how I thought it would. I thought yeah. this team was going to come out and roll. This was going to be the week they put it together. You know, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, as as you've been freaking out that this team doesn't look cohesive. They're, they've been freaking out. Though. You have been. You've been in absolute panic mode. And I've been saying, you know, they they didn't have the preseason. And and you asked me a great question. At what point is that no longer an excuse? Because they've had four games together now to do this, this being their fifth, it doesn't look like it would have mattered if they played preseason or not there. They don't look good. Yeah. And the thing I think we've seen from a lot of teams that we've faced that we just, especially on the defensive side of the ball is the offense will make adjustments, but our defense will not make adjustments to match that. We had success in the first half. And then in the second half, the giants, they made, they were, Short passes. Daniel Jones looked incredible on that final drive to to get the lead of the game. Uh, But our defense just was, they were just getting pushed over. The middle of the field is wide open. Daniel Jones just seemed to, at one point, that final drive, he was seven for seven for 52 yards. And then add on top of that 25 yards rushing. Like he he was like Lamar Jackson for that I, team today. I almost tweeted Daniel Jackson at one point, but I was like, That's, <laughs> those are just too like far too generic names. Like it, that's going to hit just a specific subset of people that are going to understand what I'm trying to do. So I'm glad you brought that up because it, it, here's a guy that we assumed if he did play, wasn't going to be mobile. And he looked like that ankle was just fine. I, maybe, maybe the giants played chess all week and we're really talking that up more than, than what it was. Um, but yeah, the defense, it, it wasn't just that they played bad. 
a lot of bad penalties today. They had two holding calls in the secondary that negated sacks. They had that that bad personal foul by uh, Douglas at the end there mm-hmm. to let them go ahead and get in there. And then on offense, what really shocked me was after the Giants tied it up, this team does what Matt LaFleur does anytime he feels like, you know, that there's an issue is they go into to hero ball mode and, and start to panic and came out and went three and out on three passes that you're going, hey, man, the defense just was out there for an eight-plus-minute drive. Yep. And your response to that was, we're going to go three and out. I mean, forcing the ball deep, it hasn't been there, not just today. It hasn't been there all year. Yeah. And and I don't think it's been uh, a Christian Watson. You and I were, were going back and forth at halftime, which was a, <laughs> a great way. It was the quickest halftime uh, I, I remember experiencing in a long time. Uh, because you wanted Christian Watson out there for the two-minute drill, which yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. You want to try and stretch that defense. There's a lot more that goes into it rather than just running a go route there. But also Christian Watson hasn't proven that he can be that guy while he's in there this year. And oh, by the way, uh, he's got a hamstring issue still. Now, yeah. And again, yeah. like, which I wonder if that's part of why they don't have him out there doing that is they don't want him running at full speed yet to try and burn guys knowing that that hamstring is not where it needs to be. But then why is he on my thing? My only thing yeah. to that is then why is he kickoff return? Because that, that <laughs> because is who else? Speed making because cuts. who else? <laughs> my question for you, Jimmy, let's, let's start on offense. Yeah. What is the identity of this offense? Do they have one at this point? Are they a run team? Are they a pass team? Are they uh, go? What do you, <laughs> it is. I, I, I feel like Rodgers is having a midlife crisis to where he wants it to still be an offense, like a pass-first offense on the rhythm. He's making these impressive throws. It's just not anymore. The identity needs to be the run team. It's not right now, and it should be because in the first half when the offense was going, we were running the ball. Jones was having success. Dylan was averaging like six yards a carry. At one point, it like towards the end of the fourth quarter when we were down, Jones and Dylan had 15 total carries combined averaging 5.2 yards a carry for them not to be doing that. And especially on that drive that you mentioned where Rogers is just doing his three deep balls and they take 15 seconds off the clock and the defense is back on the field of like, well, now what do you expect the defense to do? They just got, they just got exhausted 15 seconds ago on an eight, like you said, an eight minute drive. And now they're back out there. Um, so I think right now they don't have an identity, but it needs to be the run. And I don't know how much blame, this is a thing fans are never going to know because Rodgers isn't going to take the blame for it. LaFleur is going to take the blame for it, regardless if it's his fault or not. Are these pass plays Rodgers checking into that? Or is this the design play call? Because we saw that on that fourth and two when Rodgers, he had that shoulder tap. People, If Mark Sanchez can tell what play you're about to run, you are in trouble. And the second Rodgers tapped his shoulders, he called what was about to happen. It was a one-on-one on the outside with Lazard on fourth and two. That's a great play on first and goal. That's not a great play on fourth and two when you need to you need two yards to win to keep the drive alive. And so I don't know if what's happening if it's LaFleur's play calling is really this bad or Rodgers is just checking into these 
these plays that he thinks he can make right now, which he just, as you said, hasn't been able to make this season. Yeah. And on that one too, I mean, the, the coverage that was there, even if that ball gets, gets to Lazard, it looked like you're throwing that just hoping for a PI call. Like that's, that's what was there. The other thing with this, this team, how much longer is Elton Jenkins at right tackle going to be an experience? It's an experiment at this point. Like, yeah, I, I get it. What they had seen from him in the past was, Hey, we could have two phenomenal tackles. You don't have that at this point. So not only that, you shift him back over to left guard, you shift John Runyon Jr. to right guard, and that that's your five best right there um, because I, I don't think they've got their five best out there right now. Yeah, and I think I think Elton Jenkins at right tackle is, is a great example of a small sample size making you think the, something that's not true because he looked great at right tackle on his like 33 snaps he had there before the season. But that's just not his natural position. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think like the first step that has to happen is Bakhtiari can't be on this play count um, or the snap count. So whenever that gets resolved, I know they mentioned the flight maybe changed from going to every every two series and then one off um, to one on one off this this week plus the turf. I really don't know what the rationale is, um, but also. It's we had we went without him for so long that I understand being super precautious um, or cautious, but we'll see. I was gonna uh, say, is precautious a word? Yeah, no, precautious is definitely not a word. Let's My brain is just jumbled. That, yeah, it's yeah. it's a word now. Um, I don't know, but I agree with you. I don't think that's their best five. Um, but the first thing is Bakhtiari needs to be healthy, and then they need to get they need to get Yash Napster. And we haven't seen him at right tackle either. So is that really going to be the answer? I know we have Zach Tom that people were high about in preseason. That's preseason. Can it be worse? I don't think so. And I think solidifying that left side of the ball will make up, even if there's, even if it is a slight drop at that right tackle play, that left side being so strong, Josh Meyer now really only having to work. He'll still have his assignments, but more or less focusing on helping running on the right side. Yep. is going to be a, a huge bump. And I never thought I would I would say this for gameplay aspect. I missed him just for his personality, but I miss Billy Turner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's you know, you know the season <laughs> is not going the direction you want it to when when that's being said after week 5. Um let's same question out to the defensive side. Is there an identity there? Because w- we were, you and I were on that train. You and I were in the front of that train, mm-hmm. pulling the whistle, letting people know this defense is going to be good. And this defense is not. The secondary hasn't played great. Uh, I, again, I don't know that sitting in zone a lot of times is the answer to this. But even then, the the defense, uh, the defensive front hasn't looked great. I think Jerron Reed might be the the best player up front so far this season. I think I still think it's Kenny Clark. I just don't think he's getting those sacks as like as many sacks or like big stats, but the way he's pushing that offensive line back and he seems to be involved in every play. Um, and then you have Rashawn Gary make splash plays, but then him and Preston also get themselves too aggressive sometimes to where the right, the edge isn't sealed or the quarterback's able to scramble. Um, 
it should have been the secondary. And I think the biggest thing we're seeing this year is Douglas is struggling in the slot. He was, he had that big holding call where he, he held on the receiver, making a cut, then fell into another receiver <laughs> causing a penalty. Then he had the unsportsmanlike conduct that was really just completely unnecessary. Seemed just out of frustration at that point. Um, and people on Twitter last week uh, were saying too, it might be smart. Like he's better on the outside, putting Alexander in the slot. Some your best playmaker closer to the ball as well. He's able to, he's so fast. He's shifty. Like, I think that'd be a move that they might start exploring, but from what, what I went of this secondary is going to be the identity. We'll have a good pass rush, but there'll also be some covered sacks we'll get from the secondary it just isn't happening this year. What like, do you think there's an identity on this defense right now? I don't, I really don't. Um, other than let's just keep doing things that expose how bad Darnell Savage is uh, <laughs> because he I mentioned, you know, the, the plays that he missed on last week, and he, he did it again this week. He gets lost in zone coverage. He doesn't get to his drops. Yep. Tackling isn't his strong suit. So if you're a safety and you can't make tackles and you can't yep. cover, uh, let's go to the bobs from office space. What is it you say you would do here? Yeah, because uh, I I don't know what he's supposed to be doing out there, and unfortunately, there's no depth behind him. Yeah, no, that's the thing too. There's like, what what do you do at this point with him? The only thing, and this is just me being so pissed off about this game. We saw Razul do some safety during training camp when Savage was out. He's struggling at slot. Nixon played well in the slot. Put Nixon back there. Put Razul back next to Amos let Savage just be an athletic freak that runs around and can hopefully make plays because right now his assignments aren't going well. Like we were, we did well in the first half. We went into halftime with the lead. If Daniel Jones hit Slayton with a ball in front of him or on his body, not where Slayton's putting his hands behind him, trying to catch it. That's a touchdown. Like Savage just completely botched that coverage right there. Took a wrong angle, dove for the ball to make it look like he was somewhat close to it. But that was that was such a bad ball that the receiver couldn't even reach back for it. Yep. And Darnell Savage diving, it was off his fingertips. Like yep. that was it was such a bad ball that what what are you doing? You're so far out of position on that, Darnell. Like, how do you and when they showed that replay back, he was standing flat footed until the receiver came up and made his break. Yeah. He like was, I, I you got You got to at least be moving your feet, doing something so that you can break. Because as soon as that break happened, he's three steps behind before he gets going. I don't care who you are and what kind of acceleration you have. If you're flat-footed when a guy breaks at full speed, yeah, you're gonna get burned. Maybe he was just hoping Slayton would go the other way, just away from his zone area, and he wouldn't have to deal with it. <laughs> right. That's like the only explanation I could think of. Yeah. He's like, just don't come by me. Don't in, come in by which me. case, in which case, then start shading to the inside, <laughs> hoping that it's an option route and he'll break it to the out, right? Like just cheat it to push him the way you want him to go. Oh my goodness. like when it's like basketball when when you were a kid and it, you got a guy that you know he can't dribble with his left hand. So you when he comes down the court and gets the ball, you just stand on on the right side and make him go left. <laughs> like, dude, 
this this is what I want you to do. You're going to beat me with your right hand, so I'm not going to let you use it. Let's go. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It it honestly was just like the tale of two halves for this game. And I think it goes back to the adjustments that the Giants made and the Packers didn't because, and just the defense wearing down, which I guess kind of goes to another concern that I have is, do you think with the lack of depth, especially with Devondre Campbell playing literally every snap so far? at linebacker uh Rashawn and Preston behind them it's it's Kingsley and Garvin like they're getting a lot of snaps as well like I feel like there's a rotational piece that going in there just to give them a break so then when we have these eight minute drives you're able to give them some type of breather to where when they're in they're not just like half-assing it and then not not half-assing it but they're just out of energy yeah and I mean we've seen it a lot in the past like I would assume that there's going to be a veteran that comes in at some point uh, into this rotation, yeah. either either at safety or edge or both. I mean, it. I wouldn't put it past this team. We've seen them do that year after year, uh, this front office, bring people in. Uh, a note here, a tweet from Matt Schneidman. Razul Douglas dropped a handful of F-bombs in his postgame session with reporters and was perplexed at the penalties called on him, pointed out th- that three of, uh, came from the same ref and said he was told after his late tackle for unnecessary roughness that he was, quote, bigger than Darius Slayton. He clearly held on both of the holding calls. Yes. That was clearly unnecessary roughness. Yes. And his response is, well, they all came from the same ref and told me that I was bigger than him. Okay. It was still unnecessary roughness. You still held. So you may have started noticing that there's some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not actually beer. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They'll also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. See, what you may not know is that most plastic isn't actually recyclable anymore, and the plastic you throw in a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. So go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with our store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday, P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Yeah, when you have eight whistles and then you slam him down, there's no, like, I didn't hear it. I'm like, okay, maybe the first one. But when yeah. you get to, like, eight was an exaggeration. But they were, when you get to, like, there, it, there four was different of whistles. Yeah. yeah, you get to four different whistles and then you slam him. Like, I don't. He was probably just saying, like, dude, you're bigger than him. Why are you slamming him after the play? Yeah. Like, more of a, like, that could injure somebody type of comment than that's why I called the penalty. Yeah. Just. No accountability, man. Well, and they have, again, there was the one on him. Uh, and then I think, did Savage have the other defensive hold that negated a sack as well? I know there were there were two holds on the secondary that negated sacks. And I think Savage had the other one. Yeah. I, yeah, they need to, like, I can't, obviously we're both idiots. So like no idea that we're going to come up with is going to be like, this is going to fix the Packers defense. But if we're able to tell like, Hey, something needs to change. It must be pretty bad. Yeah. I just, I don't know that you see a ton of pressure on quarterbacks. There's not a lot of blitz. Like everything's just very vanilla, which was great the first week. If that's, you're just trying to get guys out there and go through the motions and understand, but you're, you're five weeks in and you haven't done anything that you're going, okay. Oh, wow. They're good at disguising their coverages. Oh, they're good at disguising their blitzes. They're just coming up and and doing things. And it's painful to watch. It's just like you said, is, you know, on, on offense, Mark Sanchez knew that that ball was going to Lazard. Mm-hmm. You're not disguising anything. This defense isn't either. Yeah. And the second Rogers tapped his shoulders, the two edge rushers, both pointed, right, both pointed. like yeah. they knew too. the, the yeah. second Rogers tapped his shoulders. They knew the play, which went into why they were able to tip the ball. Cause they knew snapping it, looked into Lazard, throwing it. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, my question to you is, so this is two seasons in a row. LaFleur early on in the season had to go to Joe Barry and correct his defense. Last year it was, you need to be more aggressive. This year, when you know a team's going to want to run, you need to put more people in the box. Those are two times the head coach has to go kind of micromanage somewhat obvious things for the defensive coordinator while he is the head of the offense. 
at some point, does it become a concern that LaFleur is needing to worry too much about that defense? I know he's the head coach, but when you're kind of like, he's the head coach, really the offensive coordinator, you need somebody on that defense side of the ball that can be completely, have complete autonomy and do the right things. And I feel like it's been two seasons in a row where Joe Barry has needed LaFleur's guidance. Which I don't know is a bad thing because I would assume that you have those conversations of here's the style of play we want to see. And I would guess that, that Matt LaFleur gave Joe Barry the ability to say, here's what I think is going to be best for this defense. And here's how they, they're going to operate and how we're going to be the most successful with it. And if it doesn't work at some point, it is on the head coach to go to him and say, okay, we're switching it up. Just like, even if, even if you're, a, an offensive minded coach who lets someone else call the plays or, or even a defensive minded co- head coach that, that you're going to go to your offensive coordinator in key situations and say, we're going for it on fourth down here, or, you know, here's, here's the change that we need to see. You know, those things are going to happen. So I don't know that it really takes a whole lot of Matt's time to go to Joe and say, whatever you're doing, fucking stop sorry i don't know if i can swear on here andy uh he's got a little bit different crowd than we're than i'm used to but i i don't know that i'm the only one dropping f-bombs after that game and and for us to get 22 minutes into a recording and that's the first one i would (laughs) like to point out after that game that that's pretty good uh but yeah i mean just something has to change and I, i don't know that it's bad that lafleur has to be because again it might be a thing where i i hate to use the the nba term it almost feels like load management at times where mm. not necessarily you know having guys out there but just not putting them in positions where they've got to exert themselves a hundred percent every single play they're they're limiting that which would lean to more of this zone coverage that we're seeing less of the exotic blitzes, just like, Hey, we're going to go out there and ball with the guys that we've got and see what happens from there. Uh, But so far, I don't know that the guys that they've got are better than the guys they're going against playing that style of defense. Yeah. So before we kind of start moving into the, to wrapping this up, I guess my, my question to you right now, biggest concern going forward, like, is it the offense or is it the defense? I think it's the offense uh, because plain and simple, this defense, it's a, it, it is a bend and don't break defense. Unfortunately, they've been breaking. Uh, they broke a lot today, but that has a lot to do with the offense, not yep. keeping them off the field. The, the more this offense can be on the field, the more they can score points or at least sustain drives and give this defense a rest. I don't think there was a person in the world that thought this defense was going to stop them after that three and out. You knew points were getting put up on the board. It was just a matter of how many, Mm -hmm. because that's, (laughs) they just been out there for an eight minute drive. Yeah. So at, at some point that's going to break right now, this offense has to get something going. Like you said, for this to be uh, a team, they're, they're not new. Sure, there's some new receivers out there. The tight ends, 
the offensive line, the quarterback, the running backs, these guys aren't new to this. And also Lazard and Cobb are playing the majority of the snaps at wide receiver. They're also not new to this. And for this offense to not have an identity at this point, you can't point to Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson and say, well, we've got rookies playing wide receiver. So that's the problem. That's not the problem at all. And you had this, I'm with you. I definitely think it's the offense. And the last time I harp on this, you have, you have teams that their one running back will get 25 carries a game. Sometimes, sometimes when you get the Titans, Derrick can only have 30 carries a game and Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon combined for 19 carries, almost hundred yards. Aaron Jones, 4.8 yards per carry. AJ Dillon, 5.7 yards per carry. They're going against one of the worst run defensive coming into this week. And it's just, that's what worries me about the offense is they're not taking what what's there for them to be the most successful. It's like, they have an idea in their mind of, I don't know this. This is just my dumb opinion, but I, I put it more on Rogers. Like, I feel like he has an idea in his mind on how an Aaron Rodgers offense needs to look. And he's taking things that aren't there rather than, Oh, I have two running backs that are doing really well today. Let's just keep running this ball. And that's been a, that's been kind of a trend throughout the season so far. And I think so. I think that's where my biggest worry of the offensive offense comes. I think the defense will get an identity, and I'm just worried the offense, even though they have one there, so easy for them to just grab onto and be a run first team. Even though they'll say it, we just haven't seen it yet. Um, and so I think that's where my biggest concern comes from. I love that Cobb had a great game, seven receptions, 99 yards. That's great. But I don't think you're going to be in 2022. You're not going to be a successful offense if Randall Cobb is getting 13 targets a game. I don't think that's a recipe for success. No. And I mean, they got so the Packers first possession in the second half. They're up 13 to seven or I'm, I'm sorry, 13 to 20. Like that's when you you just start running the ball. You just start yep. handing it off. And just melt that clock down. And they didn't do that, um, which is just wrong on so many levels. Um, who do you think? So we're, I hate that they added the 17th game only because it doesn't give us an easy, we're a quarter of the way into the season. Yep. We're, we're beyond a quarter of the way through the season now. Who's done their job the best this year? Um. I think it, I think it has to be, I'm cheating. I'm going to give you one offense, one defense. I think it has to be Aaron Jones on the offense in the limited amount of touch or like the touches he is getting, they, he is producing. Uh, He's the best player on offense right now, hands down. Um, And on defense, I think it's Kenny Clark. He's, he's providing pressures from the middle, which is opening up which is opening up Preston and Rashawn to have such a great season. When you have that guy in the middle, he was putting up through the first four weeks. I haven't seen like the updated stats after this game, but he was putting up like Aaron Donald level performance. And he's, so I think he's one that's doing his job. But besides that, it's, it's really hard to pinpoint who's actually like killing it right now for the team. Do you have anyone different? I do. Who's yours? And Pat I O'Connell? I'm actually going to get his name right. Pat O'Donnell (laughs) might be the only guy that you can say is consistently out there doing his job. I think probably uh, 
by yardage, his worst punt of the year happened today, which was bad because it hit off of a Giants player and then ended up getting a Giants bounce and going out of bounds. Unfortunately, uh, Sean Nixon couldn't jump on that. But, like, that might be, yardage-wise, his worst punt of the year, and it was actually – could have worked out really well. So yeah, I, his he's pinning teams deep. Unfortunately, this bend don't break defense is just bending all the way down to points every time. So to keep it in special teams, my last uh, question before we wrap it up, with just looking super, super quick at the jets next week. Amari Rogers is off this team, right? I I initially, yes. I, I text you immediately after that fumbled punt return. Seeing Christian Watson returning kicks today tells you they don't even, they want Amari out there as little as possible. If your mm-hmm. only job in the NFL is to return punts and you fumble returning a punt, your days are numbered. My biggest concern there is do they have somebody else ready to start returning punts and kicks? Because with Watson uh, re-aggravating that hamstring again, I'm assuming it's the same one. Uh, I doubt he's going to be returning kicks next week. And the fact that Amari was still out there returning punts tells me they don't have anybody else at this point. They're comfortable putting back there. I think maybe just rush another guy and don't put anyone deep. Or even (laughs) just just play with 10 guys maybe. Like, (laughs) I don't know. They did sign that cornerback um, who was a return guy. He's on the practice squad right now, so maybe that's something to look into in the future. Try to see if there's a team that would trade for Amari. I still think there is. I think we were different on that. I think a team could convince himself for a third-round player who just hasn't had an opportunity on offense to trade a sixth or seventh-round pick for him. My thought is Tyler Irvin was able to pick up this offense and make a difference. And he was talked about a lot about not being a real smart guy uh, when it comes to picking up offenses. He was able to come in and do it. Uh, Tavon Austin was able to see snaps on this team. And the fact that Amari Rogers now in his second year can't get on the field. And he's got a guy like Randall Cobb to mentor him. They've, they have a relationship going all the way back to Randall Cobb playing for Amari's dad. Yeah. I don't know what team goes, oh, we've got a better situation for Amari Rogers uh, here. We can fix this. Falcons. They're going to have the Cordell Patterson thought in their mind that they can make Amari Rogers great again. What do you mean again? In college, he was good, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure. All right. Last question before we wrap it up. Going into this week, I was confident. Obviously looked like an idiot. Looking ahead to next week, I was very confident against the Jets. After today, my confidence level went from extremely confident to I'm a little confident and that scares me for this Jets game. Where are you? I'm very confident going into this Jets game. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I don't know that this team under Matt LaFleur has lost back-to-back games. Uh, and if they have, it hasn't happened often. Yeah. Also, if there's one thing we've seen an Aaron Rodgers team do, it's play like their pants are on fire when they're pissed off. 
And yeah. if you think this team is just going to get on the flight and come back across the pond and be like, oh, well, that was a fun little trip. Too bad we lost. Uh, what's next? You're wrong. This team is going to come out next week. Uh, and it, it's it's going to be – it's either going to be a, a really bad shit show because they're going to be exhausted or like uh, RIP to the Jets. We might bury your entire franchise. Robert Sala – worries me a little bit just because he was a part of that 49ers team that just kind of knew how to stop Rodgers and the Packers offense. Granted, they don't have the piece on that defense that the 49ers do, obviously, but I just, anyone that comes from that 49ers team and we have to place that, uh, face them. I feel like I just get PTSD and it makes me probably irrationally nervous, but I definitely am. I'm not. I don't. I don't think nervous is a, a thing to have this week. I mean, the Jets are bad. They're just flat out bad. Uh, yeah. Probably the second worst team that that the Packers have seen this year. Uh, shout out to the Bears for being terrible. <laughs> uh, All right. Well. I'd, yeah. Matt Lafleur, hide your wife from Zach Wilson, and for all the London people, she's I'm very. She's too young. For all the London people, I'm very sorry. This is a game that you guys waited for for so long and uh, had to watch over there. Um, But today sucked. There's no game around that. We got a new week next week against the Jets. Hopefully they bounce back. Like Todd said, we haven't lost back-to-back games. Uh, And as he wisely also put, Packers play great when they're pissed off. So if they're not pissed off from this game, uh, I think we have a bigger problem. So uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully next week's better. And as always, go Pack Go. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call click or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done